Learn, experiment, achieve, and take off. We're anthropologists and social scientists who put leaders under the microscope. We are your eyes and ears to dig up the most valuable insights for success to help make you and your business better. We give you the tools to lead your future and help build leaders we all want to look up to. So, rise to your potential. Launch. Welcome. I'm Rebecca Bennett, your host. When you combine education and technology, you get Elena Agaragimova from Dubai. She is changing the way people learn. Having grown up in the traditional education system like most of us, she saw its flaws in transferring into careers. She has made it her life's mission to scale learning so that people can have the skills they need to advance into fulfilling careers. She has worked in talent development around the world, so we know she has some good tips to share with us. I have a feeling we'll be learning a lot on this episode, so prepare yourself as I welcome Elena on the launch show today to discuss the business and future of education in the workplace. Welcome, Elena. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Great. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming out. So let's dive straight into this. There's this huge talk and trend right now about the future of work. What is it? And a lot of people say we're already in it. The future of work is here. I want to know from your perspective, how do you envision the future of work, Elena? Sure. And you're right. It's a, it's a big question these days because it's sort of accelerated everything that we, we thought we were going to be doing in the next five to 10 years. We're now doing it now. There's a lot of, of course, predictions about future work, but I think I just want to focus on the two most important ones that I see in, in our practice, essentially. So one is the, the whole idea of the T-shaped professional, right? So Previously, we were kind of able to to sort of be in that very specialist area, right? So, if you're, for example, in the in the world of you know surgery or or something really specific, you know, you work into sending astronauts to not, you know to 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 the to the moon, etc. So, unless it's a very specific kind of area of work, the rest of us, so people in finance, HR, marketing, even engineering, just general business leaders. We're now seeing a shift to a more uh, T-shaped professional meaning that being specialized in one area is no longer enough. So now we need to be specialized in one area. And then we also need to be able to sort of look at where we can also bring in expertise that perhaps outside of our specific work. So for example, within the, uh, within the learning and development, it's almost no longer enough to be only learning and development or only a trainer. You now need to have a specialty, which could be trainings, delivering training, but you need to understand content development. You need to understand creating learning journeys in, in a way that combines with behavioral science. You need to understand how to facilitate. You need to understand slightly of how you can use uh, neuroscience in your, in, your, uh, in your work as well. For marketeers, we now see a lot of behavioral design in marketing as well. Previously, psychologists would sort of come in and do that job. But now looking at, you know, if you're in a marketing, knowing social media, knowing, knowing uh, behavioral design will probably add a value, uh, a lot of value. And we're seeing this more and more now with the whole COVID situation where a lot of people have, you know, been laid off and they found themselves in a situation that they've been working in a certain area and that's all they know. And it's looking at transitioning outside of that becomes very difficult. So I think as the world of work kind of 
uh, grows in the future, it's it's really going to be more kind to those who are able to specialize in different areas uh, versus those that are very specialized in one area. And the second trend I would have to say is the whole impact on well-being. We see this, it's already been sort of going. I think COVID has again accelerated it as it has so many other topics within within the workplace. But the impact on well-being meaning that we have younger generations that are, that are coming and been coming into the workplace who are now seeing a workplace is not something just to get a salary. They need to feel fulfilled. They need to have purpose. And so if they're, uh, if they're with a company that doesn't provide them that, or they're not sure how to, you know, what they're doing there for what purpose, that can have an impact on their well-being. We also have a huge numbers of anxiety, leaveism, where people just don't know how to disconnect. Uh, then we also have absenteeism, where they show up at work, but they're not present at all because they're just too distracted with other things, could be mental health challenges. So I think the whole well-being is going to grow significantly and companies are going to be paying more and more attention to implementing initiatives to support their employee well-being. Otherwise, they're going to have a very hard time finding talent and sustaining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, considering that now we have the internet and so much more access to knowledge around the world, it, it almost feels inevitable that now everyone, in order to thrive in, in the workplace, that you have to have more than one specialty because now it's accessible to you. There's so many online training programs and courses you can take to help further your career. It's it, people are starting to really understand that they have to go past the university level, past that bachelor's degree, sometimes even past the master's in some cases, um, and start to really hone their skills and go deeper. And yeah, I think you're right. I think this millennial generation has really brought up um, an awareness of workplace issues more so than than I feel like other generations. Um, so that's it's really perceptive of you. But I'm curious, Coming back to to building those extra specialties and skills, we all know that learning, it's it's hard to scale. And the best way that we've been able to do that as a society is to offer those university programs and certificate programs. And and now the um, online learning video subscriptions. So what I want to understand, Elena, is how how are you changing this? What is it that you're working on right now that you're bringing to the world in this area? Sure. So what we're doing that's slightly different from that traditional approach is we're focusing on a modern way learner, meaning not the modern way in terms of the younger generations, modern way in a way in the sense that the traditional approach of going into a class or going into a training in a corporate for six to eight hours simply does not sustain knowledge. People do not sustain that knowledge. It is ineffective. Yet, you know, companies globally, uh, the multinationals globally spend $395 billion every year, according to, I think it was Harvard Business Review that published this. You know, they spend it on learning and development, yet the ROI of it is almost non-existent. So we cannot track it. We cannot do anything with it. So it's almost just, you know, to me, it's just wasting money. And, and at the same time, 
you know, doing it in a way that, you know, people also feel pressure because they have to go through this training, they have work on their mind, they're not, they're not retaining information. And same thing for students, right? We have students that are studying majors that, like, for example, business administration is still one of the popular majors around uh, the universities around the world. It's still one of the most driven, yet we know in business administration, you don't necessarily learn business. And, you know, and it's not a sort of skill that you can take with you. So you'll learn maybe some important theories, but it's not an experience. So, so what we're doing essentially is we are making learning in a way that sticks. So we're helping people learn in a way that works for them and learn information that they want to learn. So this is where we uh, incorporate micro learnings and not only micro learnings where it's self-guided, we actually provide them with support. So human support. So there's a piece of AI, there's a piece of that online self-learning on, on, on the application. And at the same time, there's that human support. And the idea here is, is that in the world where we're continuously bombarded with information, we're saying, listen, you don't need to spend an hour or two hours um, uh, learning, at least within the dimensions that we're teaching, right? You know, you don't need one to two hours to learn emotional intelligence or or creativity. You just need to work on five to ten minutes every day. You 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 access your little portal. You do your your sort of uh, things that you need to get done for that day, and then you go and you implement that. So it's more of an implementation. Um, and we make it more accessible. So organizations don't need to put their team like in, 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 in the room for six to eight hours to learn something. We're saying, listen, take them out of the office, let them do it at their own time, at the comfort of their home. With technology, we can make it now accessible and affordable. It's much cheaper for companies to also implement these sort of technologies. Um, not to say that the human, the, the face-to-face is not important. It is, but it doesn't need to be on a scale that it is today because learning topics like emotional intelligence is very difficult to comprehend in a group. It's a very individual sort of uh, learning journey in that sense. So, so this is, so we provide them with that access and support uh, when they needed the most throughout their learning journey to make sure it actually sticks and they know how to implement it. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I'm not sure why us as a society, we haven't figured this out yet, but yeah, just spending hours in a classroom, it's by the end of the day, uh, you just don't retain very much. I think I, I read in a, a study somewhere that when employees get onboarded into a company, they retain, I'll have to confirm this after, but I think they retain something like, or no, they lose like at least 75%, if not more of what they learned, which is just phenomenal. And if you think about it, like if you try to play those mind games where you try to memorize something, you can really only hold, I think it's like between like three or up to seven pieces of information. So memorizing something like a phone number is really difficult for people these days because that's 10 digits. And so to have that expectation that we're going to retain more than like more than seven solid pieces of information or nuggets in one sitting is it seems a little unrealistic <laughs> absolutely and you know the way our brain learns it's just not how you know we, before maybe we didn't have the the science behind it but now there's so much research on from behavioral science to neuroscience to habit creation there's so much research that tells us listen that's not how we retain information right and uh, in addition to that you know, with technology, again, companies and individuals can really individualize learning, meaning, you know, not to put everybody in a group 
to do a training on a particular topic or a particular study, right? But looking at who needs what level of that topic. And this is where technology really helps because you can identify now at which level do people start. Some people will start at the basics, some medium, some might need a little bit different interaction. So, you know, individualizing the process of learning is what makes it, what makes people stick and makes them come back to, to the, to the type of platforms that sort of provide that. And this is what, uh, you know, this is kind of what our mission is to just sort of, you know, let companies and individuals know that there is a better, better way to learn and we need to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. There, I mean, there are skills. I think most of the skills out there are, are, ones that you would learn individually for yourself and then there are a set of skills that maybe are appropriate for a group like maybe negotiation skills you need someone to to bat around with or or team building but you're right the majority of the skills are things that we can do on our own yeah it allows you to really focus in and, and learn deeply i think is is the key i'm curious elena how, how did you get to this point of where you're at now in your career? If you can kind of just give us the backstory of how everything led up to where you are today. Sure. So I actually come from a background of higher education and academia. And, uh, you know, I, I changed my major about five times at university because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And all I knew was, you know, I said, I, I really enjoy working with people. I'm a, I'm a people-oriented person. I'm not a nine-to-five person. I'm not a math, a math person. And I would love to, to learn about different, uh, different cultures. So, of course, there was no major for that. And, um, and I think at the age of 19, when people ask you to choose a major, when you're not even sure what you're having for dinner that evening, is sort of, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just frustrating. And I think we're still applying the same thing. We're asking, you know, students to change majors at a very early age. But, and so, so I've started within higher education. I've kind of, because that was, that was sort of close to what I, what I enjoyed doing. Uh, then I transitioned to learning and development. Uh, when I moved to Dubai, in 2014, I really started more within the, the soft skills training, working with corporates, working with uh, uh, professionals and organizations to sort of help them thrive and perform at work. Um, and then uh, I met my business partner uh, and we have um, launched uh, Bestern, which is, which is our company. Um, so we, we've combined forces because we really felt uh, same experiences working with corporates in terms of well-being and productivity and what it really takes to learn. So this is where we've, we've uh, created Bestern, uh, where we're, we're helping essentially just transforming the way people learn in organizations. And uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting journey. So we are really excited to do what we do. And I've never thought I would end up working uh, with a, you know, in a tech company, to be honest with you. I don't come from a tech background, but the, I think this is part of the sort of adjusting as well to what the world needs. And, you know, it's like you have a mission and then, you know, how do you best deliver that mission and technology is the way you do it these days. So a lot of learning curves there for me personally. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people in your shoes where they weren't expecting to, they don't consider themselves technical, but you're just, you're enveloped into this world of technology and it's, you're right, you have to adapt and take your missions and apply it into that setting. Um, so tell us more about Bessern and how does it work? So Bessern is, so we are the first Middle East digital solution to, to sort of help individuals learn organizations, meaning that 
uh, through through our platform, individuals uh, can actually learn. They can track their learning. They can see improvements throughout, and they have access to support when they need it the most. So what we do is we combine AI, at this stage AI is in a form of assessments that they take throughout sort of the, the different uh, learning journeys that they follow. In addition to that, they have the sort of self-guided learning journeys that we call it change journeys. And finally, what, what sort of really kind of brings it all together is that human support because AI is brilliant in, in many ways, but AI cannot substitute the human interaction that we often need and when we're learning so it's 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 essentially also it's providing organizations with some sort of measurable way to see are other people engaged how engaged are they they can actually track their progress as well um, so it's it gives them a measurable outcome essentially for their investment in their employees gotcha so I love that how you're you're supplementing the AI with the actual human touch. I really feel like that that's that's so important. That's the way that we really should be looking at how to use AI rather than necessarily just to replace. I know that initially when the when AI was on the rise, the talk of AI was on the rise. The, the, the headlines and the articles were like, these robots are going to replace you. And it was really just the really wrong outlook and message to be sending to society because I think that almost slowed the advancement of the technology down because people were scared and they're like, we don't want this in our lives. But then people like you and me where we see opportunities for how it can come into the world and supplement or augment how we work. And uh, it can really help change the way our lifestyles and our working lifestyles and, and the rate of progress that AI can allow our society is just phenomenal to think about. Um, it's, it's, they say that this wave, new wave of technology is really going to push society forward in a way that's much greater than the Industrial Revolution. Uh, so it's a very exciting time to be in. You mentioned that the AI, you use AI for with along with the assessments. Can you dive a little deeper into, into how that works? Sure. So, so for people who use our, uh, our platform, essentially, it's based on the different dimensions. So the AI essentially evaluates individuals on the different dimension and provides them sort of areas where they need to improve. This is where, how we're using it right now. However, as with technology, it's continuously learning, continuously getting smarter. So what's on our roadmap essentially is using AI to forecast learning needs, using AI to, to, to sort of predict challenges on user well-being. So basically predicting mental health challenges that might be upcoming. What do I mean by that is that with the technology that's out there right now and what we're looking to incorporate very soon is that an AI can identify, you know, how are you doing in terms of your mental well-being or particular dimensions you're, you're exploring and learning about, how, how are you doing on that level? And it can track it by the way you're typing, by the sound of your voice. So when you are interacting on the platform, let's say with that human uh, support on the platform, it can actually learn from that and pick up signals and can then send you nudges to say, listen, this, you know, have you thought about this or how are you doing today, essentially, and helping you navigate challenges before they occur. So it's, it's, the AI is so brilliant and there, we, we have yet to even 
really understand the impact of AI on how we function, but but there's a huge, huge potential for, for AI to sort of predict the learning needs. If that if I were to point out two things, the learning needs and any mental health challenges or well-being that you might come across. So it, it, it sees that the, your level of interaction on certain days is different from others. It might sort of say, maybe this is a, maybe today you need to focus on a little bit easier tasks. It can also identify the times when you are most active versus less active. So there's so many different ways. It can read your facial features and let you know how are you feeling today and what you should be focusing on for that day and what you should be avoiding. So it's, um, uh, it's, it's really, really brilliant. That's great. Yeah, just the, the, just the idea of being able to give people that do have mental health conditions, however mild or severe, give them that access to learning and ex- be able to accelerate that for them. Um, I think is is such an opportunity and it really can integrate those people into the workplace in a far better way um, because it has the AI does have a capability to pay that individual attention. I feel like as society, we want to just generalize and put blanket statements across everyone and group them all together just because it's easier for categorization purposes. Like, but to be able to, to, give to individual needs is is so important especially when it comes to learning um, i'm curious though uh, ai is it's not an easy technology to work with there's a lot involved um, to be very analytical learn, know how to read data mine data all that stuff and i'm curious not every organization has been successful in implementing their AI. They've come across many challenges in developing this new technology. I want to understand where is it that you have had challenges with the AI? What are, where the sticking, where have the sticking points been in with your company and developing this technology? Sure. So for us, I think an important part to mention is also could be uh, just with for any organization, the whole idea of privacy concerns when it comes to AI. I think that's what's going to be one of the challenging things for, for anybody who's utilizing AI. And it has been a challenge. Um, you know, that's a very sensitive area that we need to be careful with. But AI is great at nudging users, right, to continue in their change journeys. But it needs to be coupled with the human interaction. So that is one thing I think AI will, will not be able to do is to replace that human interaction um, as much as technology is out there. So I think, I don't know if it's a challenge. I think it's just understanding that we need to make sure that we, ha- that we have AI and it's, it's brilliant and, and what, what it, the value that it brings. But the challenge is that it's never gonna replace that human. So making sure we incorporate that human interaction has been our biggest learning, at least so far from some of the challenges uh, when it comes with using it. So I think it's just having that empathetic support, the, the human support through our app, uh, which is part of our current version uh, at the moment. And I think that is the important aspect because the challenge, I don't think AI will ever be able to do that. Maybe, I mean, never say never, but um, uh, not in the near future, at least I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, privacy is definitely a, a large concern. And I know that or there are institutions, organizations working on creating like security standards to make sure that uh, users do have that privacy and then organizations um, then adhere or comply with those standards. And I, I think that's important not only to, to comply, but to be a part of that conversation 
on what how to protect privacy and developing those standards because that moment is now we're setting the bar now and if if we set it too too low and then people you know bad people start jumping over and 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 causing chaos then that's no good so we want to definitely set that bar high enough so that uh, we can protect people's privacy um and then in, that's really interesting how you talk about figuring out ways when you're implementing the AI technology, it's not just all about the technology. It's so true. It's, it's about incorporating life around it um, in, such as the, the human component. How do we respond to it? How do we work with it? How do we react to it? Thinking of all those scenarios um, to best use that technology is important. I understand that the, app that you were that you're working on Bessern, it, it was quite a learning curve in itself for you and so what i want to talk about now is what are some learnings that you came away with in building this app so with you know working with individuals over the years the creation of learning journeys you know creating that content you know, doing research was sort of the fun part and the easy part. There's so many learnings out there, again, that we've incorporated into this. The difficult part is that you need to step out from this creator mode because you're in it, you know what the app does, you know what it's supposed to do, and you understand the value of it. But then how do you translate that to a great user experience? And you don't even realize it until you step out and you're like, my gosh, I, I, how can I use this app? So we have pivoted maybe at least twice when we're developing the app, uh, because we said, if I'm a user, I can, I don't know, like, what should I do with the app? So I think stepping out of your own mind and between my business partner and I, who basically we're solely working on it, just the, the two of us essentially with of course support of the, of the tech, tech uh, team. But, you know, when you're the sort of creators, it's, that was the difficult part is how do we create that user experience where people view our app as their friend that they want to come back to every, every day to do that habit, to implement that routine, to create that, that, that new positive change. And we, that, that's one aspect. And another one is also because the way we're doing it is a little bit different from what people are used to. We're saying, you know, listen, five to 10 minutes a day, you do this, you follow these steps. Uh, when you complete each sort of uh, module of vitamin, we call them vitamins. So when you complete the sort of vitamin, when you take your vitamin that day, you are going to get better each day, right? And at the same time, you know, if you're still not sure, you have support. So, so you know, sort of explaining and, and uh, you know, sharing knowledge about how these, the, the five to 10 minutes learning journeys each day that you do can help you achieve results that you're looking for is another, is another uh, sort of thing that we, we've uh, learned about. Um, so I think it's just, we had to continuously upskill ourselves. For me, it was very technical upskilling. Uh, for my, my business partner is a little bit more technical than I am. So continuously upskilling, continuously doing research. There's so much information that's coming out. The, the new AI that, you know, learnings from AI that are coming out. So it's, it's just keeping up with all of that to, at the end of the day, to create a great user experience. That is, I think, one of the, the sort of um, learning uh, takeaways is that you need to step out of your own mindset and put yourself in the shoes of the customer, essentially. So we've gone through a lot of trial and error and interviews and, and um, uh, um, testing through with when we were developing the app. Yeah, that is, that is a hard thing to manage to step from the, your creative role, like 
bit with your business hat on all the then all of a sudden transfer over to your customer hat it's it's hard to step back and forth but i'm sure as you're doing it uh, more frequently it becomes easier i'm curious if there's a say like a specific methodology or framework or some kind of method you use to translate all your ideas and about the your learning programs and journeys a specific method you use to translate that into a user experience or tool so the our methodology sort of is a is a combination of different uh, of different uh, sort of pillars so we are using a lot of uh, proven methods from positive psychology about how change is implemented on an individual level we use a lot of neuro, neuroscience based uh, evidence, behavioral science, um, uh, the habit creation. So what we're essentially doing is putting it together in a way that says, yes, if you do this really small step each day, it's going to create that, that change for you. So it's, it's focusing a lot on habit creation using all this different research that's out there about how do you actually make learning stick? How do you make it that people come back to the platform? So uh, all of these combined, essentially, we came up with the Besser methodology, which is uh, the micro learnings with the human interaction. Yeah, I think you're right with um, oftentimes as an entrepreneur, uh, I have a lot of big goals and dreams. And throughout the day, I find myself, I'm just grinding and grinding. I'm like, when am I going to see the end of this? Is it going to be this year? Is it gonna be next year? And so having those long-term goals, this is something that I do. I'm sure maybe a lot of our listeners do as well, is I play games in between, like as a break of my day. Why? Because it's like a short-term win. Like, boom, I won a game and it took me like, I don't know, 30 seconds, a minute, and it feels really good. So I can almost see your Bessern and using that short, that shorter uh, learning technique is a great way to just get a quick win in your day and feel really good about it. Uh, almost, I guess, like gamifying learning in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what it does is that it, it doesn't rely on motivation because motivation is, you know, it's not something we, we sort of talk about in, in our practice because we don't necessarily believe in motivation as motivation. We believe in those small steps you can take that equal to progress and progress then keeps you motivated. So it nudges you to keep going and it gives you that good feeling when you, when you do do something and you, it's a, like I said, it's a small win. So a small win every day will make you want to come back and do that small win that then gets to those big goals. And another thing what we, what we implement in the platform is we say, don't look at the month ahead. We're, we're implementing it in 10 days at a time. So 10 days to focus on a particular vitamin that you need to take um, each day in order for you to start learning how to practice it more and more. And then, and then it gives you an option to continue if you need a little bit more or to move on to the next vitamin within the dimension that you are learning. Uh -huh. So it's, uh, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's all about the short wins and progress over motivation, over those, you know, uh, you know, the anxiety that comes with the big goals. Uh -huh. I think uh, when you said you're, you're implementing learning in, in like a 10 days, I, I immediately thought of like a tunnel and in 10 days, like you can see the light at the end of that tunnel. You can see yourself getting through it in like 
finishing that vitamin. But if if you if you're like in a say an MBA program like I was for three years, it's like okay, where is the light at that end of the tunnel? Is it there? I don't see it. <laughs> you have to just have faith. <laughs> Uh, so so you mentioned to me earlier I think you said you're sponsored by United Arab Emirates government and so that's just fascinating in itself you're I would like to learn more about your journey of how you got into that position absolutely so UAE in general is very big on well-being and happiness so they have a whole ministry dedicated to well-being they have a whole ministry dedicated to to happiness so they are you know uh, they're very supportive of social enterprises essentially so and because we are around the topics of productivity and social well-being sorry well-being um, we we actually pitched ourselves to be part of one of their programs, one of their social incubators, and there was several rounds, and we were selected as one of the uh, one of the ten uh, the top startups that sort of made it. So so it was um, it was really interesting. We we got very lucky in terms of uh, learning that there are such initiatives. So there, and there's there's quite a few around the UAE that are that are provided for entrepreneurs within this space because. And, and even the way they handle the whole COVID situation in terms of keeping people safe and taking care of their mental well-being throughout the situation, they're just really great with these sort of initiatives. So there's a lot of support from them here. So we, we, we just pitched ourselves. They love the idea. Um, they've supported us throughout our journey. And here we are. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on, on getting that far with it. Um, so I'm going to divert a little bit. So you mentioned that UAE, they have this Ministry of Happiness. And I know um, when I traveled to Copenhagen, they have something similar where they're really, the happiness of the people is really important. And that's why a lot of the Scandinavian countries are considered the happiest places on earth. And I know Dubai is, is up there with them. But I'm curious, what are some of the things that UAE has been doing to help make that happiness for its people? Sure. So, uh, for example, well, speaking of technology, they do a really good job implementing technology in all of their services. So government services, for example, to go, you know, the, 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 the sort of uh, the um, uh, version of uh, the DMV in the States, right, to, to, which is the RTA here, the Road Transportation Authority. It is one of the smoothest experience you can experience. Literally anything you need to get done. If you cannot do it online, you go there, you spend five to ten minutes whatever the task is, and it's done. It's very smooth, it's very fast. So I think implementing technology across all their government sectors to help people manage their um, visa situation, because there's 85% of expats live here. So to manage all that, I think they've done a really good job. Um, they also make sure that there are initiatives around the city to really bring communities together. Um, they do really well at organizing different uh, volunteering communities and uh, uh, marathons, which are very fun for, for many people here. It's like a whole festival here. Um, they're also, of course, um, continuously looking to improve the way the city functions in general. So it's the city as right now, for example, it's very hot th throughout the summer. So about four months, it's very difficult to be outside. The heat is very high. So I think providing options to maintain our well-being by having covered spaces where people can entertain, uh, a lot of family-oriented activities to kind of keep keep uh, kids engaged. 
uh, as well. I think they're really good at providing that. And another thing is it's one of the safest countries around the world right now. Um, to a point where I don't know how many times I've had visitors and they have lost their cell phones or left their cell phone somewhere and it would be returned to us two hours later. Literally, like you can easily, you know, the taxi driver will find you, they will come to you, they will give it to you. So um, it's, it's, it's safe from all aspects. You can easily go outside at 2 a.m., take a walk anywhere in Dubai and feel completely safe. Um, which personally adds a lot of happiness to my life <laughs> if I'm able to, to just, you know, feel safe in a country. So uh, they, they do different, different initiatives uh, within the space. Yeah. Well, it's really fascinating. Yeah. I think looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, making sure that safety and security is that first level is there is, uh, is super important. It sounds like, uh, UAE is really, really knows what they're doing. And it's, I feel like America has a lot that they could take away from that in terms of learnings, just looking at UAE as, as the model. Um, I would love for that to happen over here in America. <laughs> Imagine not standing in the DMV for like two hours straight. Oh, what a dream. <laughs> Every time I go back to the States, I'm like, how are we still here? What are we doing? You know, yeah. so, yeah, so uh, they, they do a good job here with that. Absolutely. Oh, that's great to hear. Um, so I'm also wanted to understand uh, for our, a lot of our listeners, they're, they're global, they're all over the world, but we do have a big chunk over here in America. And um, I want to understand what is it like doing business in United Arab Emirates and specifically compared to America, since I know you've been in both countries. In the UAE, what's, what's really nice in one way, what's really effective is that it's a small country at the end of the day. The population is 10 million. Uh, one million of those are locals, uh, the Emiratis, and the rest are expats. And it's a very fast-paced city, just like any other sort of big city. But what makes it really unique here, I think, is that people are very um, uh, approachable in a sense. It's very easy to make connections, which is so vital for business. It's quite easy to uh, get a meeting. It's quite easy to get introductions, uh, to meet people in general for business. So there's a lot of events that take place. It's a very active place. It's a very small place. So, and because I think people are coming from all over the place, it's a beautiful place to people. I feel like people a little bit more um, uh, accessible, essentially. Um, and again, I think because it's, you know, uh, uh, we're all expats here, we're all visitors here for, for, for some time being, right? So I think it's just that notion that we're all here for a purpose and to grow and to add value to, to the community and to do business. So we see it as, you know, let's collaborate. So there's a lot of collaboration that happens in the, in the, in the UAE. Another great thing about UAE is that it's so central. It's so central to Europe, to Asia, to Africa. So a lot of companies here, you can be based here and navigate your business to all the different areas. There are plenty of people who call it home and then do business in other parts of the world. And that opens up opportunities for your business as well. It's a little bit closer uh, to the rest of the world uh, compared to, to the US. And finally, I think what makes it uh, interesting is the influx of different cultures. And in the US, it's very much the same as well, especially in big cities. But here, so many people, there's just such a continuous flow, you know, in and out of different people that you're, you're meeting so many people from, you know, different nationalities that are really fresh from their countries, right? So it's not like they're Americanized in any way, like in the U.S., many people are already Americanized. 
Um, but here you really get very fresh perspectives on and really learn cultural intelligence, understand how to do business from different, um, with different backgrounds of, of cultural backgrounds. Um, I think that you get a lot of rich experience in that way, which then can drive your business forward because you, you get this learning experience and then you can do business in Singapore or Shanghai uh, or, or anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I, I think that it sounds like because you guys do have such a large expat community that having that cultural intelligence really allows you to, it seems like a great place to create, say a global or multinational business um, because you, you have that opportunity to understand the world better. And from that single location, um, not necessarily having to travel to every single country quite as often. Um, That's really, that's really great. I'm curious about if you're an entrepreneur and you wanted to start a business in UAE, um, how much time would it take to necessarily start up a business? What are, are there any kind of regulations or barriers that people would need to think about? Yeah, so it's very simple, actually. It can take you, depending on the sort of business and the licensing and the approvals you need, just a few days, you can, you can start a full-on business. There's a lot of options in free zones. So... Uh, so free zones are one of the easiest way to sort of set up a company here. Uh, a lot of virtual offices available. You know, you can you can do as a virtual offices. You can rent a desk, so it's affordable as well in that sense. Um, it's very easy process. It does not require a lot of paperwork. Um, they also offer support. So where I've set up in the free zone, where where we've set up the business is is. Uh, where they actually supported, they've promoted, they connected with me with media partners. So they really offered further support uh, being part of their community. They, they open up leads for me. Uh, they do PR for me. And that's all part of the sort of the package that, that comes with it. So it's, it's quite simple in that way. Um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just a couple of days. You go through your visa application, your, your medical testing, and you're good to go. You can practice business. Oh, that's great. I'm curious what what the restrictions are for for the visa. Um, Like if someone was coming from, say, America, and they wanted to set up shop, like how long can they actually stay there? So the stay depends on the the passport holder, where you're coming from. If you're coming from the U.S., I think you can stay. Actually, I forget now, but it's about three months. I think you can stay on a visitor's visa. You don't need a visa. If you're a U.S. citizen, you don't need a visa to come to the UAE. You just come and uh, and you can stay without the visa. I mean, you can stay on a tourist visa, I think three months. It used to be six months. I think it's now three months. Um, different countries like UK, I know it's uh, three, three to six months. US, uh, a lot of European countries is the same. Uh, some other countries, it's maybe one month. So you, you have plenty of time to sort of set that up, but you can start the setup even before you come. So you just get online, talk to representatives of the different free zone. You can compare prices do your research and then when you come here you can um you just go through your testing etc and then you just transfer your visa and you are uh, a resident were you born in the uae or or are you an expat no i'm an expat i i've i came here in 2014 i'm actually from uh, dagestan which is a republic in south of russia and uh, then I spent some some part of my life in St. Petersburg, Russia. I moved to the U.S. when I was a kid, which then became home and what I call home today. And uh, but yeah, UAE seven years and counting. 
Oh, wow. So it seems like it's a great place to stay. You found your home. <laughs> yes, for now, for now, it's definitely a beautiful place to be. Uh, so, Elaine, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Launch Podcast today and sharing with us all of your insights around the micro-learning strategies that you've implemented with Bussern and in uh, all the other goodies that you've shared with us. If our listeners wanted to follow you and learn more about what you're, what you're doing or get in touch, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So the best way to connect with us is you can check out our website, which is bestern.co, B-E-S-S-E-R-N.co. We have also a lot of free resources for people. So check out the the freebies on the website. I think they're going to open up eyes and minds. Um, Also, LinkedIn is a great way to connect. We are very active as Bestern on LinkedIn and individually as well. Feel free to connect with me as well. So I think these are the two sort of best ways to, to touch base with us. Excellent. Well, I'm pretty sure our listeners will be will be visiting your website and checking out more about what you're doing because it seems very fascinating and innovative on the edge. And I'm I'm fully supportive of, of what Veteran is doing. It seems like a great way to to kind of upskill or rescale, especially during these COVID times where people now have that opportunity to focus a little bit more on self-development and professional development. And thank you, Elena, for coming on the show. And that's a wrap. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to download the next episode so you can listen to it on your next commute or trip. You can access more great insights and other goodies on our website at launchitspot.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there, which will notify you when we post the new goods. And of course, we always appreciate shares and likes by our listeners. Did you know that you can be featured on launch? We are always looking for interesting people who are striving to become better leaders, as well as subject matter experts in any of our content categories listed in our nav bar. Believe it or not, your story can inspire so many people. All you have to do is quickly apply on our website and we'll be in touch. Now, how are you going to leave the world?